This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're pleased to note a very special guest in our second segment today. That would be Simon Singh, co-author along with Edzard Ernst, MD, of Trick or Treatment, the Undeniable Facts About Alternative Medicine. Let's begin the program as we'd like to do with On This Date in History. It was on September 11th in 1777 that General George Washington threw his ragged army against the British at Brandywine Creek near Wilmington, Delaware. British forces under General Charles Cornwallis crushed the Americans who were lucky to escape in a semblance of order. But uh, 12 years later on this date in 1789, now U.S. President George Washington appointed Federalist Alexander Hamilton, the man on the $10 bill, to be our first Secretary of the Treasury. On this date in 1847, O oh, Susanna by the immortal American composer Stephen Foster was performed for the first time at a Pittsburgh saloon. It was his first big hit. On this date in 1857, Mormon pioneers in Utah, stoked by religious zeal and hostility from decades of public abuse and federal interference, murdered 120 emigrants at Mountain Meadow. And of course, on this date in 2001, Islamic terrorists hijacked four American jetliners and used them on their infamous attacks on New York and Washington. And uh, if you're keeping track as we were for a while, this marks the 2,556th day wherein Osama bin Laden has not been captured or killed. Our quote of the day comes from Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, who once said, when you're certain you cannot be fooled, you become easy to fool. Our quote slash quip of the day comes from Leo Tolstoy, who once said, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Our stat of the day? According to the New York Times, despite soaring housing foreclosures and turmoil in financial markets linked to easy credit, banks mailed 1.54 billion solicitations for new credit cards from April to June of this year although that does represent a 14% decline from the same period the year before. Our joke slash quip of the day is the statement that you can always claim you're an artist and nobody can prove you aren't. And over the next few weeks, we're interested in finding out how many people are listening to this program. So we'd like you to send us uh, an email at info at radioparallax.com. Please uh, let us know uh, how you heard us and where you are located. And just to sweeten the pot here, let's see if you can answer one of our cultural questions uh, when, you, when you respond to us. Uh, the one for this week is, complete the following. The story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to blank. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a, it was a good week this week for 
myth-making. After the Russian media praised the valor and strength of Prime Minister Vladimir Putin for supposedly saving a television crew from an attack by a Siberian tiger. Reportedly, Putin calmly brought down the fierce beast with one perfectly aimed shot with a tranquilizer gun. And yeah, how likely is that? On the other hand, it was a bad week this week for coincidences. After Warner Brothers threatened to sue the makers of a Bollywood movie called Hari Puttar, producer Munish Purji said Hari is a common Indian name and Puttar means son, and that he was in no way trying to exploit the success of Harry Potter. And it was kind of an ugly week for marketing last week. After former presidential candidate John Edwards, it was announced, would continue to book speaking engagements on The American Dream. And that would be for the cost of $65,000. Apparently, John Edwards is not canceling engagements because of the scandal surrounding his extramarital affair. That's according to his agent, who said that he's in fact looking to schedule more. And I'm sure at $65,000 a pop, he is indeed. And from the Only in America file, we have the following. Apparently, a youth sports league in Indiana has banned its teams from printing players' first names on their jerseys to foil pedophiles. Mike McGinley, president of a league for 12,000 children, said parents were concerned that sexual predators might approach players with a friendly, Hi, Mary, or Hi, Jimmy. Under the new rule, parents can even have their child's last name left off the jersey as a defense against those rare predators who might be tempted to approach the child with a friendly, Hi, Mr. Peterson. Yes, apparently some folks in Indiana have just a little bit too much time to sit around and think about things. Which does remind us of a quote we've used before, but we may want to inject right here that was from our former president, Woodrow Wilson, who once said, A conservative is someone who likes to sit and think. Mostly sit. And from the miscellaneous file, we have this item. Apparently the price of gas has finally gotten too high for Sean Diddy Combs. The music mogul announced on YouTube he's going to ground his private jet, which was costing him about $200,000 per trip. I'm actually flying commercial, said Diddy. I'm at the gate right now. This is really happening. Diddy added that if any of his fans in Saudi Arabia could please send me some oil for my jet, I'd appreciate it. All right, news from the political uh, campaigns of America. It's sad to report that Keith Olbermann of MSNBC, perhaps the only anchor out there willing to uh, talk about some things that need to be talked about, like uh, possible election fraud, Well, Olbermann, along with Chris Matthews, have been demoted to commentators. He won't be anchoring the news on MSNBC, which uh, does not necessarily bode well for the November election, at least in terms of having someone in the major media keeping a a watch on uh, some potential shenanigans on Election Day. One has to be amused at how the Republicans are running on a campaign of change, in spite of the fact that they're in charge. As noted in the McClatchy newspapers, Barbara Barrett and Mark Johnson pointed out that uh, there were concerns that George Bush even addressing via satellite the Republican National Convention might hurt John McCain's chances by reminding voters that the two men come from the same political party. But they quoted delegates uh, at the convention saying they don't think voters will have any trouble telling the two men apart.
They quoted a man named Tim Johnson, chairman of the appropriately named Buncombe County Republicans of North Carolina, who said it's important that he speak to the party to say his final words and to pass the baton to John McCain. The writers noted that the satellite feed is just one more example of how John McCain must walk a balancing act of showing loyalty to the two-term Republican president, whom he doesn't like, while still offering himself up as someone very different. In spite of all these polls that are claiming that John McCain is ahead, uh, per, per many of them, if you go to 270towin.com or check out the latest data, it does appear that Barack Obama is still holding a very commanding lead. In the Electoral College, he remains only about 10 votes short of what he needs. Curiously, before the choosing of Sarah Palin, Alaska appeared to have been up for grabs. It now is in the Republican camp. And there are some who are saying that, uh, that John McCain's choice of a gun-totent, anti-abortion, Christian, conservative, global warming skeptic is going to help him uh, in, in, in conservative states. Remains to be seen, but people all over the nation appear to be responding to uh, Governor Palin's eyeglasses. That style is being asked for all across the country, and optometry suppliers are saying that you, people really need to, to, to market these aggressively. Yes, and so far as we've been able to determine, it is true that John McCain had met Mrs. Palin once for a 15-minute chat at the National Governors Association meeting before he summoned her to his ranch for what was described as a final interview. One quote also from Garrison Keillor, who was reprinted in the, news, in the new newspaper, The Progressive Populist, which I was sent a complimentary copy of, Garrison Keillor called this an amazing country, asking where else could an Arizona multimillionaire attack a Chicago Southsider as an elitist and hope to make it stick. Noted Keillor, the Chicagoan was brought up by a single mom who had big ambitions for him, and he got a scholarship into Harvard Law and was made president of the Law Review, all on his own hook. Whereas the Arizonan is the son of an admiral and was ushered into Annapolis, though an indifferent student. Much like the current occupant of the White House, both of these men were very lucky that their fathers were born before they were. We need to talk about the, uh, the takeover of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but I, th I think not today. It is curious that by stepping in, uh, the government protects the principal and interest payments on the debt held by uh, these two organizations. Those are held by foreign central banks, financial institutions, pension funds, and others. Prominent among the foreign central banks, the Chinese, who are basically letting us borrow money to buy their stuff, at which point they take our dollars and reinvest them back in the U.S. economy in things like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Thus, the cycle may continue. Something else I don't have too much time to go into today, but was fascinating for me was to go uh, chat with a friend of mine who's in an MBA program about, uh, about what uh, is involved in her curriculum. I found it a rather jaw-dropping experience to see what crap was being peddled as something of value. We will have to go into that in more detail at a future date. And speaking of uh, idiocy in the business world, how about this story? Detroit's big three car makers have begun a lobbying campaign to press Congress for up to $50 billion in federally guaranteed loans, according to the AP. GM, Chrysler, and Ford said, said they need the money to help them modernize their assembly plants and develop next-generation fuel-efficient vehicles. Hello? 
GM, the world's largest car maker, although it's being overtaken by Toyota, but still, the world's largest car maker has to go to the government to get loan guarantees to modernize. As the Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman once pointed out, while everyone seems to be in favor of capitalism for everyone else, they think they'd like to have socialism for them personally. But anyway, while uh, GM, the maker of the Hummer, lost $15 billion uh, last quarter, Honda's doing extremely well by selling more Honda Civics. And by the way, next April, Honda is reportedly going to release a small hybrid priced around $20,000 that it says will get better mileage than a Toyota Prius. I love this comment by Sanford Jacoby writing in the Chicago Tribune. Most observers attribute GM's sad decline to its, quote, over-reliance on gas guzzlers, mediocre product quality, and unimpressive design, unquote, along with its onerous health and pension burdens. But uh, Mr. Jacoby notes that the, uh, the effort to satisfy the shareholder, uh, a, a mantra in Wall Street since the 90s, uh, got corporations to comply and spray out cash in the form of dividends and share buybacks instead of investing in the future. GM reportedly spent $20 billion in that fashion from 1996 through 2000. Money that perhaps might have been better spent on research and development. And we're going to go to break a little bit early for our interview with uh, Simon Singh here. But uh, final item of this segment. A study in France, which was reported in U.S. News and World Report, uh, is pretty interesting regarding uh, bars and loud music. Apparently, French researchers persuaded a couple bars to play music at various levels on different nights and observe how much the patrons drank. It turns out louder and more frenetic music led to more drinking for several reasons. Higher arousal and anxiety levels produced by the music stimulated people to want more alcohol. At the same time, the music made conversation more difficult, leaving drinking as the best social alternative to talking. According to alcoholism expert Dr. Mart Galanter, loud music puts people in a frame of mind where they're less coherent and may be somewhat distracted and in a somewhat altered state of consciousness. It seems that loud music throws people off their game and renders them less in control of their capacity to moderate their drinking. I always wondered why bars were sometimes so incredibly obnoxious with their music, and I guess, I, I guess uh, now we know. Let's take a short break and then come back and talk about a book uh, uh, you may want to have for your own personal library at home. It's titled Trick or Treatment, The Undeniable Facts About Alternative Medicine. We'll speak with the co-author Simon Singh after a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. And you looked in time, never looked back. 